Good morning, everybody. Good morning, those online, those in the building. Boy, that really sums it up, doesn't it? All I need to do, you mean that? Do, do you believe? Do you believe that? All I need is you, Lord. I don't need the house. I don't need the car. Come on. Huh? Come on. Come on. I, don't, I, I, I don't need anything but you because if I get you, I get it all. Come on. Do you believe that? So good to have you here today. I am absolutely excited. Before you're seated, let me just make sure you really understand too. Uh, if you're watching online, there are some links there that you could go and give. I know last week they said, hey, I threw you guys all off and none of you gave anything because I introduced QR codes. And I said, they all know QR codes. And so I want to also make sure you understand in your seat back, there's an envelope that describes all the different ways of giving. And uh, text giving is still the way that most people are giving. Those are all available. If it's not working at this moment, it will be in just a few seconds. But I do want to say that we are so, uh, so appreciative and, uh, and so grateful and so thankful for the partners that stand with us week in and week out to reach people for Jesus. Amen. Come on, give it up for all those. You can be seated. And uh, AJ, if you can give me a little more hot sauce on this mic, just a little bit more volume. Mm, anybody excited about Jesus? Anybody wake up happy? Come on. Wow, wow, wow. We love you. We're so, so, so thankful for you. So grateful for you. On the other side of this camera, we're grateful for you. Um, I'm excited about what I'm getting ready to get into. And let me just give a few remarks here. We'll, we'll dive in. I really, truly believe there's some answers for you today. Uh, but I do believe you're going to have to pay really close attention. Uh, you probably don't need to be looking at the scores of the game. And if you're at home on the other side of the camera, turn the TV off, unless it's me. I believe there's help, but you can't get it with dive vision. You've got to have a singular vision. And, and uh, I'm excited. In this month, we've been, we've been dealing with the subject matter of transformation. Everybody wants transformation. We want transformation in our marriages, in our families, in our homes, in our finances, in our life. But the Bible teaches that transformation happens when you change the way you think. People want, people want change through a lot of different things. But the Bible says that if you want sustaining change in your life, then you have to change your your mind. And so all month long, we're focusing on this, this idea. In fact, on Wednesdays, we're dealing with more the, the nuts and bolts of how this really works here with the women and here and the men uh, in the, uh, the, the room out by the lobby. And, and, and it's just been a powerful last couple of weeks. It's like, whoa, man, I, I just feel for those people that are missing this because this is some good stuff. This is life-changing stuff. It's always amazing to me. People will call, Pastor, I got to talk to you. I need help. And I'll say, well, were you here last night? Oh, no, I ain't got time for that. I just need you to pray for me. I just need you to, I just need you to bail me out. I want to say it one more time. Transformation happens because you change the way you think. 
and that's going to be an ongoing project till the day you, <laughs> you, you die. So this may be a little teachy, and it may get a little rowdy, because I'm looking for some rowdy Christians in here today. But I do believe that there's some help in the house if you'll stay focused in. And uh, let me just say that what I'm getting ready to share with you has been something that I have been... I have been working on for probably the last several years, trying to understand what, what, uh, I have the wrong one. This isn't on? This is better? Oh, so they couldn't hear a thing I was saying. Can you hear me now? Could you not hear a thing? I'm going to use my headset in just a moment. So, In Malachi chapter 1, chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 2. God speaking, it says, I have loved you, says the Lord. But don't forget that Esau was the brother of your ancestor Jacob. Yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. I chose Jacob instead of Esau, and I have laid waste his mountains and have given his riches to the wild dogs of the desert. What a crazy verse in the Bible. Like, where do we go with that? There's two times in the Bible it talks about Esau like this. I'm going to show you the other one in Romans chapter 9, verse 13. It says, as it, was, it is written and forever remains written, Jacob I loved, chose, protected, blessed, but Esau I hated. Held in, held, now notice this, held in disregard compared to Jacob. hate's a pretty, pretty, pretty impactful word, isn't it? But this is not talking about the human emotion of hate when it says that God hated. In, in the Hebrew and also in the Greek language, it just simply, it just simply means to, dis, to disregard. Now, what's amazing to me is that is that to consider what God says concerning these two brothers, Esau and Jacob, especially when you consider that they both were a mess. They, they both were ungodly in so many ways. Why would God regard one and disregard the other? Why would God receive one and reject the other? Why? Why could Jacob see change and success and Esau only see failure and despair? In Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us, it unlocks this whole mystery 
of why, why, why Esau was rejected and why, huh, and why Jacob was accepted because it wasn't based on their behavior. And usually when we read that, we think it's based upon their behavior, but this has nothing to do with their behavior because if it had to do with your behavior, none of us would qualify. None of us would be received. So let me read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. It says, you have become weak, so make yourself strong again. Live in the right way so that you'll be saved and your weakness will not cause you to be lost. Try to live in peace with everyone. And try to keep your lives free from, from sin. Anyone whose life is not holy will never see the Lord. Woo, we're off to a good start already today. Isn't this wonderful? Be careful that no one fails to get God's grace. Be careful that no one loses their faith and becomes like a bitter weed growing among you. Someone like that can ruin your whole group. It's a word to the wise right there. It goes on to say in verse 16, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. For you know that even afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, Notice real closely now. He was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it diligently with tears. I'm going to read that last part one more time because that is the part that I have struggled with for years. Like, Lord, what in the world is this talking about? It says, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it diligently with tears. In other words, he was supposed to have it, his inheritance. It was meant to be his, yet the Bible said he did not receive it. He did not get it. Today, I want to talk from this thought, help, I'm stuck on stupid. Now I know <laughs> I was raised that you don't use the word stupid. Uh, I know that that's not a correct thing to do, a polite thing to do. But did you know that in your Bible, you, in your Bible, you can find the word stupid used 40 different times. In fact, I could show you two different times and two different messages that Jesus or sermons that Jesus was using or preached that he actually used the word stupid. He threw it out there. So I thought if Jesus can throw it out there, then maybe I can take one service and just kind of throw it out there. Hell, I'm stuck on stupid. So, Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for every person in this room, every person watching on the other side of these cameras. God, let us have a, let us have a God moment, a heaven, heaven moment. God, I pray today that, 
God, answers. God, I believe this is the answer. I, I believe this is the answer to, answer to so many things that is going on in, in our lives. God, I pray that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart that is focused in. God, not distracted with the Raiders losing or the Niners winning. Not distracted, Lord, with all the stuff of life. God, help us to get what heaven has for us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. That is just absolutely the best. I know some of you have already seen that, but I've just been waiting for a moment to use that. Don't know really why I used it other than you just need to laugh before I preach. Can't you just imagine that happening to you and you getting finally off the camel and thinking, what in the heck was I? I was thinking. Now. You might say that the first time, but if you have the audacity to get back on that camel the second time, that's just, that's just stupid. Now, although the title of my message is Help, I'm Stuck on Stupid, my subtitle and the main point that I really want to talk about today is to establish this powerful truth. Here it is. I'm going to give it right up front, so if you get distracted, at least you know what we're talking about. Here is, here's the powerful truth that I want you to take home. There is nothing more powerful than a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do it God's way. There's nothing. Nothing more powerful than a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do it God's way. In, let's see, the, 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 the battle in life, the battle between right and wrong, the battle between success and struggle, the, the battle between victory and failure, the battle between God's way and the enemy's way, the battle is all, whether you believe it or not, the battle is all taking place in the battleground of your mind. The battle in life is a battle for your mind. Why? Because your mind, as we've talked about before, determines the kind of life that you have. The Bible teaches the kind of life that you have is a result of the way you think. It's not your mama's fault. 
It's not your daddy's fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's not your preacher's thought, fault. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as you think in your heart, so you are. In other words, you become eventually the way you think. I like the Good News translation. It says, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. So here is the point. If you don't change it in your head, you can't change it in your life. But if you change it in your head, then you can change it in your life. And that's why there's nothing more powerful than a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do it God's way. Hmm. Now, the writer of Hebrews here talks about, through the passage that we just read, talks about immoral people. They, he talks about godless people. He talks about people who are willing to do any kind of sinful act. And then what's amazing out of all the people in the Bible is he illustrates it with a guy by the name of Esau. Now, we don't hear a lot about Esau. Not a lot of people are preaching sermons about Esau. Not a lot of people are calling their sons Esau, right? Uh, we hear more about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet, according to the Bible, our God should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. It wasn't supposed to be Jacob. Esau, Esau was the heir, as I laid this foundation, connect with this. Esau was the heir to the spiritual heritage of Israel. Esau was the oldest grandson of Abraham. Abraham. It was his birthright and his alone, which guaranteed him the rights to all the financial benefits, to all the land, to all the property, to all the goods, to all the services, along with all of the spiritual opportunities and the influence with God. It belonged to Esau, but Esau lost it all because he was, he was, he was hungry. He was just simply hungry. You see, Esau had been out hunting all day, and he comes back, and he's hungry, and his brother Jacob is there, and his brother Jacob has been cooking a bowl of or a pot of beans, and, and he makes a deal with Esau to give him a bowl of beans for his birthright, and Esau, in that moment of hunger, looking to satisfy a temporary situation, says yes to Jacob. Mm. Now, a lot of people, you know, they read that, and I've heard messages preached about that, that Jacob just actually tricked Esau. But, uh, but, but I think we give too much credit to Jacob. I, I think we give way too much credit to Jacob because the truth of the matter is, I think Esau was just, just stupid. Just stupid. I mean, let's be fair about it. If you was to come today and drive up in your brand new car or whatever car you have, and I come to you after church and I say, hey, I like your car. How about if I give you this towel for your car? 
and you say yes, well, it isn't that I tricked you. It's just simply your, your, your stupid. <laughs> Jacob offered him a bowl of beans for Esau's birthrights, all of his rights, all of his benefits, his future, his destiny, and it's all being traded. Think about this for a bowl of beans. So Esau took the bowl of beans, not because Jacob was so good at tricking him, I'm going to say it again, but because Esau was just, was just stupid. He was just stupid. The stupidity was that Esau allowed himself to make a permanent decision over a temporary situation. Somebody needs to hear me today. Be careful that you're not making permanent decisions over temporary situations. In other words, giving away your future, giving away your destiny over some 10-minute ungodly thrill that's before you. The enemy's always doing this. He's always throwing out, offering us momentary thrills, temporary fixes, attempting to get us to throw away our destinies, to get us to throw away our futures. Now, uh, I'm not here to beat up on Esau. I could already feel the tension in the room, and some of you don't like me calling him stupid, uh, but I am trying to make a point here, and so I'm not here to throw him under the bus because the truth of the matter is There's not a person in here or watching me online that hasn't done something, something stupid. Mm -hmm. All of us have made dumb choices. All of us have done something stupid about something or someone or in some moment. And we all know what it's like, don't we? To do something stupid and then live with the consequences of our own stupidity. I wish I could get some help up in here today. We, we all know what it's like. Um, oh, my, I think about this. I've done, I've done so many. I've done so many stupid things in my life. And by the looks of some of you, being the cousin of Jesus, I think I might be the only one that's done any stupid things in here But I feel like at times, sometimes in my life, that I have actually graduated from stupid university (laughs) with honors, (laughs) with a GPA of 4.0. I mean, I'm doing really good in the class of stupidity. So many times in my life, I have said to myself, why did I get back on that camel? So many times, how in the world, Randy, how in the world could you do something so, so, so stupid? Now, this passage of Scripture that we just read, again, has perplexed me. It's disturbed me for so many years. And what's disturbing about this to me is that it's not the fact that Esau did something Stupid. What, what disturbs me about this passage is that when he wants to try to change it, he, he can't change it. He, 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 can't, he can't fix it. The Bible says he wanted to, he desired to. In fact, the Bible says he sought to change it through many, uh, 
or with many tears. But the problem was all the tears of Esau could not change his stupidity. He lost it all, not because he did something stupid, but because his tears could not change it. Track with me. He, he didn't, he, he, oh my goodness, he, he, he didn't lose it all. You got you to hear this because this is Bible. He did not lose it all. I'm going to say it again. He did not lose it all because he did something stupid. He lost it all because his tears could not change it. This is really the assignment today. This is why we're here in this moment. Esau did not lose it all because of stupidity. Because if that be the case, then all of us would be in the same condition without hope for our, for our future. In fact, his brother alone that the Bible talks about, when it talks about them together, uh, I, I, I think throughout the Bible you can find more, far more stupidity uh, that's recorded in the Bible about Jacob than you'll ever find about Esau. Esau, Esau just, he just ate a bowl of beans. Go read Jacob. Jacob is a mess. He's a mess, but he wasn't stuck on stupid. Jacob still gets the birthright, the blessing, the future, and the destiny, regardless how many times he constantly blew it and he messed up. In fact, the Bible is full. I don't have time today. You don't have the endurance to listen to it, but but the Bible is full of, 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 of people that did stupid. <laughs> we could start with Adam and Eve, and we could go on down through the, the whole lineage. We could, we could go Abraham. I mean, Abraham, he's lying all the time, and he still ends up being the father of our faith. Sarah, I mean, a mighty woman of God. I mean, God did something great with her, but she had stupid moments. You remember she had a headache one night. And she tells Abe, he says, I'm tired, Abe. Why don't you go sleep with some other woman? And it's just stupid. And yet God works with all. P Peter, Peter's cussing and Peter's, <laughs> Peter's rejecting and Peter's, but, 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 but stupid didn't keep them from God using them. That's my point. It's not doing something stupid that is the problem. But it is the repeating of something stupid that is the problem. It's being caught in a cycle of stupid that you cannot escape. Oh, you want to, you want to get out of it, but you just feel trapped to repeat that same mistake over and you don't know why you're getting up on that camel because it did you wrong the first time. And here, here you go again doing Stupid, stuck on, stuck on, stupid. Hmm. You see, the difference between all of us is not that we haven't done something stupid. It's just that some of us get stuck on stupid. We become prey. We, we fall prey to the same mistakes over and over and over. Like, really, God? I was doing this stupid thing in my 20s, and here I am now in my 50s, and I'm caught in a cycle, and I'm caught in a pattern. You keep dating the same kind of person. 
I mean, you would have thought after, after marrying the first serial killer <laughs> that you wouldn't be dating the second and the third and the fourth. Well, what is that? It's, it's stuck on, on stupid, stuck on stupid. I mean, you keep living beyond your means. I mean, what is that? Stupid, stuck on stupid. You you keep looking at those same perverted images. What is that? That that's stuck on stupid. You keep feeling that. You you know you keep fueling that same old addiction that, that that you can't seem to get over. Stuck on stupid. You keep acting out with that rage and that anger. What what is that stuck on stupid? I want to change it. I just don't know how to to change it. I, I, I wanted to change in my life. Is, is, is this, if, you, if you're tracking with me, you should be at this point with me right now. Is this not the frustration of life? To desire to change it and not be able to change it? That was Esau's issue. Esau, the Bible says, sought repentance sought repentance with many tears and he found it not and he lost his inheritance he lost his future and he lost his destiny and Esau throughout the Bible is scarcely mentioned Esau was destined to be in the lineage of greatness but he forfeited it all because of a bowl of beans a bowl but it wasn't just a bowl of beans the fact was he lived his life devouring bull after bull after bull after bull of beans. He lived his life in a pattern, in a cycle of dysfunctional decisions. He lived his life stuck on, stupid, and, and whether you know it or not, that's what this passage is all about. It's about people getting stuck in a cycle, in a pattern of stupid decisions. Can't even get an amen in this quiet place. Come on, online, somebody got to give me an amen. Now, here's what I want you to see today, and I know I'm processing this, laying a foundation here. But this is what I need you to see. Esau wanted to change it. The Bible says that he even sought repentance with many tears. What, what, what does repentance mean? So important that you understand what the definition of repentance is in the Bible. Repentance in the Greek language is metanoia. That's the Greek word, metanoia. It simply means to change your mind. It's actually a changed mind that pivots going one direction and pivots and turns around and goes in the opposite direction. That's what it means to repent. Let me give you some of the best definitions of this word that I believe if, if, you, if, you, if you write them down, man, pay attention, they are life-changing. Here, here's the first one. Here's a good definition of repentance. It's the extreme change of mind that affects and change your behavior. It's the extreme change of mind that affects and changes your behavior. Here's the next one. It's a change of mind, thought, or thinking that is so powerful that it changes your decisions and actions. 
Here's the one I like the best. It's a change of mind that becomes a made-up mind to do it God's way. Repentance is I was thinking and doing it my way, but now I'm thinking and doing it God's way. Time out. Hold it. I hope you've listened to me really closely because here's where revelation and understanding comes. I need you to take notice in the definition of repentance that nowhere in that definition do you see anything that has to do with tears. This definition has nothing to do with emotions. You can repent and never shed a tear. You can repent and never show an emotion. Mm. The Bible says that Esau sought repentance with many tears and found it not. Let me say that another way. He sought change of mind with many tears and found it not. Let me say it another way. He sought a change of mind with emotions and found it not. Not. Esau's problem, church, is that he sought change with emotions. But emotions don't change. Emotions don't change you. No, no, no. It's a changed mind that changes your life. Don't miss it. It's a changed mind. It's, it's not tears that change you. It's not emotions that change you. It's a changed mind. That changes your life. Esau could never change his ungodly behavior. Esau could never change the cycles of sin because he wanted to cry about it instead of repent about it. Somebody needs to hear that today. Let, let me say it another way so you really understand. Esau wanted what repentance could offer, but he did not want to do what repentance required. And my concern is we got churches full of people that are crying and they're emotional and they're saying, why is this not working? Because that's not, re that's not repentance. Esau lost his inheritance. He lost his future. Esau was born for greatness, but he died a fool. Why? Because he refused to change his mind. He refused to change, and this is where so many of us live. We live life stuck in patterns, stuck in cycles of sin, making bad decisions and stupid choices, and then try to change it by crying. We try to change it by expressing our emotions. Hmm. But even though they feel bad about it, they keep on doing it. You even pray about it, but you keep on doing it. You go to church, but you keep on doing it. You cry out in worship, but you keep on. You shout in church, but you keep on doing it. Hear me today. People are crying out to God saying, God, why is not this changing in my, I, I, I feel like that is the expression of the majority. God, why is this not changing in my life? Listen, because you've never repented about it. You've never changed your mind 
You've never changed your mind with a made-up mind. And here it is again. There is nothing more powerful than a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do it God's way. An emotional response to God doesn't equate to change. That's what I'm saying. An emotional response does not equate to change, to repentance. Crying over your mistakes will not change your mistakes. Crying over your failures will not change your failures. Feeling bad about what you've done? I know this is heavy, but this is how we get changed. Feeling bad about what you've done doesn't change what you've done. God is not looking for tears. God is not looking for emotions. God is looking, hello, September. God is looking for a change of mind. There is nothing more powerful than a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do it God's way. And that might have tears, and that might not have tears. That might have emotions, and that might not have tears emotions. But emotions won't change a thing. True repentance changes everything. There's nothing more powerful than a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do it God's way. Tom, you can come back. I, I want to quote this. Matthew Henry, a great theologian, said this. He says, many mourn for their sins that do not truly repent of them. They weep bitterly for them and yet continue in love with them. Well, why is this important, Pastor? Because I think there's so many frustrated Christians. And they want change and they, they want to see their inheritance and they want to see their blessing and they want to see God move in their life. But all they do as they approach God with more tears and more emotions and more shout and more song. But God is not looking for tears. God is looking for a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do what he says to do. There's nothing, there's nothing more powerful than a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do it God's, to do it God's way. Let me prove it to you as I close. We all know the story in Luke chapter 15, right? The prodigal son. How many of you remember the prodigal son? He, Luke 15, he goes to his dad. He goes to his father. He says, Father, I'm done living at home. I'm done following the rules. I want to live life my own way. I want to I call the shots. I want to do my own thing. Dad, I want my inheritance. I want what rightfully belongs to me. And in the spirit of entitlement, he, he approaches his dad and demands from his dad what, what, what belonged to him, and he takes his inheritance. And the Bible says he goes to a far, far country, and he, he begins to live an ungodly, ungodly lifestyle, full of sin, full of craziness. And the Bible says not many days after the Bible says he runs out of money, and when he runs out of money, he runs out of friends. <laughs> the party's over. The fun is over. He's run out of it all. I don't know if you caught that. It, it only took a few days. He, he left dad, and it only, 
It's amazing how you can mess up your life in just a few, a few moments, a few, a few days. And the Bible says that this son finds himself in a pig pen. He's, 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 he's desperate. He's, he's, he's distressed. He's deprived. He's lost everything in his life. Can you imagine the shame and, and the guilt and the regret that he's feeling in this pig pen? And, and the Bible said that he's hungry. He's, he's hungry. Hey, hey, hey. He's hungry. And the Bible says they were so hungry that he thought about eating the pig's food. And it's at that moment that in the narrative, the Bible says concerning the prodigal son, when he's about ready to fill his stomach with pig's food, the Bible says that he came to his right mind. Oh, you didn't hear me? He came to his right mind and he said, in other words, he came to his right mind with a made up mind that said, I'm going back home to my father. I'm going back home. I'm going to get up and I'm going back home. And that's exactly what he, he did. He got up and he went back home to his father. And the Bible says that he got it all. He got it all back. All that he wasted was restored. Come on, his father received him. He wasn't a hired servant. He, he got his sonship back. He got the authority back. He got the blessings back. He got it all. He got it all back. I've come to tell somebody today, the moment that you get up in your mind is the moment you'll start getting up in your life. He's in the pig pen, and he says, wait a second. I'm better than this. This is not the way. He did it without one tear. Oh, somebody ought to hear me today. He did it without any of He says, I'm better than this. I know what I'll do. I don't need to cry about this. I don't need to whine about this. I don't need another altar call. All I need is to change the way I think. nothing more powerful than a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do it God's way. I want you to catch this. He didn't need a miracle. He didn't need a breakthrough. He didn't need hands laid upon him. He didn't need pastor to pray for him. All he needed to do was to start thinking differently. You know what I like about it? The pen couldn't hold him. Oh, the pigs couldn't hold him. The shame couldn't hold him. The disgrace couldn't hold him. The regrets couldn't hold him. Oh, once he, oh, once he made up his mind, it changed everything. Tears couldn't get him out of the pig pen. Emotions couldn't get him out of the pig pen. It was his mind that got him put in the pig pen, and it was going to be his mind that got him out. You think your problem is the devil. I'm here to tell you, your problem is right between your ears. There's nothing as powerful as a changed mind that is a made-up mind to do what God is saying to do. I hope you hear it today. Tavo, he didn't change his clothes. He just changed his He 
Esau wanted his inheritance. Esau wanted his blessings. Esau wanted his future. Esau wanted a destiny. Esau wanted his life to be better. But he couldn't get it. Why? Because he would not change his mind. So he spent year after year in the cycles of his sin, crying about it, being emotional about it, couldn't wait to get the next Sunday service so he could feel better about his sins. We've raised up churches. Bunch of junkies, gotta go to church so I can feel better about my sin. I'm here to tell you there's no future and no destiny. If you ever come to a place of realizing that a changed mind that's a made-up mind to do what God says is the most powerful thing in your life. You will move out of frustration in your, come on somebody. You will move out of frustration. I want you to stand to your feet today. Can you hear me today as I, as I wind this down? Come on, those online, just, just stay with us. Is this helping anybody? What, whatever. Whatever is paralyzing your life, you can't change it by tears and emotions. I know this is simple, but this is where most of us are living. Whatever is paralyzing your life, you don't change it by tears and emotions. You change it with a changed mind. Do, do you know that the devil doesn't care if you pray? The devil doesn't care if you come to church. In fact, he's here with you right now. Oh, he goes to church more than all of you. The devil doesn't care if you sing and shout. The only thing the devil cares about is for you to change. It's to change your mind. Cry all you want, it won't change a thing. Walk around with the Bible on your head the rest of your life, won't change a thing. What are you saying, preacher? If there's something in your life you do not like, Quit crying about it. Quit whining about it. Begin to change your mind with the made up mind that says, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it God's way. And the moment, oh Jesus, the moment you make up your mind is the moment you get heaven's help to carry out that decision. Oh. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit is a helper. I said the Holy Spirit is a helper. He's waiting for you to make the move. <laughs> I got more. I just don't think you have time. Just lean over to your neighbor and say, I dare you to change your mind. Come on, look over at the other one and say, I dare you to change your mind. I've just come to tell somebody today, you don't have to be stuck on stupid. You can repent. You can change your mind. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Father, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. So take my heart and form it and form it. 
Take my mind and transform it. Take my mind and transform it. Take my will. Take my will. I think God's giving some help today. Come on, God's connecting with your decision today. Why did you have such an issue with Esau? What's the deal with Esau, Lord? He just ate a bowl of beans. God. So many other people throughout. Oh, so many other verses. So many scriptures did, did horrendous things. But God, you met them in their pain. You met them in their stupidity. And you fixed it, God. Why, Esau? Esau was not willing to give God his mind. Repentance, we've made it a prayer. Repentance is more than a prayer. You might begin the process of repentance by praying, but repentance, oh Jesus. Repentance is a daily activity that you give to God. God, I give you my thoughts today. I give you my mind today. There's nothing as powerful as a, as a changed mind that is a made-up mind to say, God, I will do it your way. That's why you can read throughout the scriptures, people like Jacob and people like David, all the, the heroes of the Bible, you can go look at their lifetime and it'll just it'll, it'll cause your mind to spin like, God, how could you use that person? Because when David committed adultery and David murdered and David did all this, you know what David did? He cried out to God. He said, oh God, I repent. Take it all away, Lord. The only thing that matters is you. God, renew a right spirit in me. God, I, I come created me a clean heart. God, I've got to change. Today what I've done is horrendous. I'm not here just to cry about it, Lord. I'm here see change in my life I've just come to help somebody today to move past the frustration of why this thing doesn't work for you and why even after years you find yourself in the cycle and the cycle and the pattern and the pattern of like Lord why do I keep getting on that camel Lord you think I'd be smart enough (laughs) you don't need another church service say it again. You don't need another church service. You just need to give God a decision. I'm better than this. I'm getting up and I'm going home to my father. Let me say this one more time. Repentance is not a prayer. Repentance 
is a changed mind that's a made-up mind that is daily looking to do it God's way. Amen. Come on, somebody shout. Somebody thank God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ask you just to bow your heads, close your eyes, those online. Just give an opportunity before we close today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, give you that opportunity to change your mind, to surrender your life to Jesus. The Bible's very clear. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are, are you done doing it your way? Are you tired of doing your own thing? Have you found yourself in the big bin of life? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus died upon that cross and was raised from the grave. The Bible says you shall be saved. And then it's from that point that you walk out the repentance so that you can experience the inheritance that God has for you. If that's you in this building or online, you know you're far from God, you're not right with God, you need to surrender your life to God. If that's you here today, would you just lift your hands and say, Pastor, I, I want you to lead me in that prayer. Just hands going up all over this building. Raise it up high so God can see it, so I can see who I'm praying for. Amen. I believe there's many of you online on the other side of these cameras raising your hands. Say, I need to get right with God. You can put your, your hands down. Pray this prayer with me. The important part is that you're not repeating it, but that you're meaning it with all your heart. Say, Father God, today I surrender my life. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died for me, that he took my sin, that he rose from the grave and offers me the free gift of salvation. I make a decision today to choose Jesus. Today, Jesus, I surrender my life. Mm. Father, I pray for every person that just prayed that prayer. In this building and online, I'm asking God that what you have begun this moment, that you be faithful to complete it. God, I pray for, for help and hope and healing in their life. That God, as they have initiated repentance in their life, that Father, every area of their life experiences the wholeness of God. I declare healing to their hearts, healing into their lives, wholeness into their lives, wholeness into their families. God, what you have begun in this moment, I'm asking again, Lord, that you would complete that good work in them. God, I thank you that today is a brand new day, a brand new beginning for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 